Hey there, here's what's coming up in this episode. Did I ever tell you about how I thought I might remove my own? Well, it was it was drunken. It was a drunken, love-fueled, crazy idea. But I was dating this guy and I was facing the empty nest and I thought I could totally have one more. So one night, you know, romantically drinking champagne, talking about whatever. And I said, I'll take that IUD out right now. And he's like, what? I'm like, oh, I've seen, I've had one taken out. It's not that bad. You just need, you just need steady pressure. I would need your help. Do you have any pliers? <laughs> because I want him to get a really strong grasp on the strings and just steadily. I said, you can't, you can't chicken out. Welcome to the Maya Loop Vagina Podcast, where we explore the distress and surprise of our midlife transitions. We take menopause seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. And we believe that learning what to expect in perimenopause can be entertaining. It's inevitable, so we may as well equip ourselves and have a good time. In this episode, we talk about midlife issues that are on our minds. What are some doctors using to manage perimenopause symptoms? Why is being drunk in love dangerous when middle age is bearing down on you? Get the answers to these questions in this episode. By the way, I would love to stay in touch. So please join my email list at sisterhood.myaloofvagina.com. You'll always be the first to know what's going on. And I promise not to spam you. At this point in my life, I'm just too lazy. So this episode's another case of me needing to remove my friend, but not wanting to lose my stories or the subject matter because it's important stuff. So what's left of the original episode is just my side of the conversation and my stories. So I interject here and there to add context. I want to make sure we talk about it a little bit, the flooding periods as a perimenopause symptom, because nobody ever told me. I was 50 years old the first time that I told someone was happening, you, and you said, oh yeah. Because I remember I was saying my heartbeat, that every time my heartbeat, it would feel like it would gush out when I was at the hotel. And I said, I'm, I'm worried something's wrong with me. You said, oh honey, that's perimenopause, right? And no one had told me. So all those years of heavy periods and the years leading up to it, no doctor had said anything. Everyone knew I was having anemia. No one said a word, but that one was the worst one. That was the first time I had a flooding period. And I remember thinking that I was hemorrhaging, that something had happened, that something was wrong. When you put, put a, a super tampon in and and it and like half an hour later, you're like, oh, oh that's what was happening. Wait, I, before we go on, my favorite thing about this topic is we have definitely gotten rid of all the male listeners right up front. <laughs> <laughs> they've all they've all switched to some other one of the sex pods or something, that's something true. with the dominatrix, right? Well, I thought a flash period was when you were months into thinking you're into menopause, right? Because menopause is just one day, 365 <laughs> days after your last period. On Sex in the City. I thought that Charlotte's situation, it was a flooding period, obviously, because she had an accident. And it does make you feel like you're in, a, in junior high again or something, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's this crazy thing. But the flash period, I think, is when you think you're in it, because it's been long enough and maybe you didn't track when the last one was, you think you're postmenopausal and then you have a random period. Definitely heavy. Yeah. <laughs> the, the scene of having a pub accident in public is what resonated. Because I've been on a plane. First of all, we used to joke that 
it seemed like I was always on a plane on day two, which was always the heaviest. This is before I realized I was already in perimenopause and that was what was going on with these heavy periods. And I can't tell you how many times I've had an emergency situation where I have to go to the flight attendant and ask for support or where I've been sitting in my seat trying to figure out a time to go to the bathroom to deal with my emergency. It seems to make them worse. What's my other bathroom emergency? Oh, <laughs> please, please refer to the episode on incontinence and my bladder emergency in the cockpit of a plane. Sorry. Because <laughs> I've never spoken about it. That's the first time I ever told that story. I haven't spoken about it in 12 years. Now, now everyone knows, but that's why I don't even think of it. But the, the period ones were a situation where sometimes they have pads in there. Sometimes they don't paper towels, the whole shebang, trying to like from both sides, blot it. So it's not so bad because I'm in leggings or jeans on a plane, right? Tying whatever I have, my scarf, like a little sarong around my waist so I can walk off the plane without anyone noticing. And I hadn't had that happen since, you know, my freshman year in, in high school. Christina Kuzmik had someone on. She's on Facebook. She does a lot of stuff. And she had a woman on who calls perimenopause cougar puberty. Well, did you never check them? You've never checked your strings? I'm going to give you homework. Here's your homework. Tonight, you don't have to squat to do this either. You can, I'm sure you can reach your cervix. You got to stick your fingers inside your vagina and just reach back and kind of bear down a little bit until you feel it almost feels like a nose and that's your cervix and you'll be able to feel if your strings are hanging out. You're supposed to check them every month. <laughs> 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 I don't know if it's, it, so I had the copper seven. I had the copper one. So I had periods. And so after your period, you were supposed to check and make sure like, so that you knew if the strings had shortened, right? If they were there. Now I didn't check them every month. I'm not saying check them every month, but I'm saying you might want to check them because then you'll know if it's gone up too far. I mean, the thing is, so I, maybe this will alleviate your concerns and maybe it won't it'll come to the cervix the normal way. And they're designed to be able to be pulled out. I say it with so much experience because I've had two removed. Did I ever tell you about how I thought I might remove my own? <laughs> hey, this is your cheeky reminder to join my list. Then I'll send you treats and behind the scenes stuff and more. At least I will when I actually get around to sending emails. Just go to sisterhood.myaloofvagina.com to sign up. And I promise I will not bombard your inbox. And if you love this irreverent podcast, please recommend it to a friend you think will enjoy it so that we know to keep delivering this very specific style of midlife information and stories for you. Well, it was it was drunken. It was a drunken, love-fueled, crazy idea, but I was dating this guy and it was definitely in a love-bombing stage. And I now I realize there was mutual love-bombing going on because in reality, I was like, about him, but it was just very fun to just get caught up in thinking that we were, so in love and might have a baby because I, my son was a senior in high school at the time and I was facing, you know, em the empty nest and I was, I don't know, 38, maybe 39 and thinking, and you hadn't inspired me yet with your baby at 43, but I definitely had family members who'd had late babies and I thought I could totally have one more. Maybe this is the one, this is the guy I'm going to do it with. I'm going to have one more, one more, right? Like a, a, a miracle baby. And he was very jealous of my previous, he was jealous of like 
of my ex-husband, which is weird, right? Because he'd had a baby with me. I'm like, he would probably trade you. (laughs) But so one night, you know, romantically drinking champagne, talking about whatever. And he was complaining again. And I said, I'll take that IUD out right now. And he's like, what? I'm like, oh, I've seen, I've had one taken out. It's not that bad. You just need, you just need steady pressure, steady, direct pressure. I would need your help taking, I said, do you have any pliers? Any, any pliers? (laughs) Because I want him to get a really strong (laughs) grasp on the strings, which I knew were there. And just steadily, I said, you can't, you can't chicken out. You can't let off on the pressure once you start because you can't let it get stuck in my cervix. But once you get past a certain point, you'll be able to get out. So you're going to have, I had him convinced, smashed, convinced that he's going to remove it because I, I knew at the time that I had just ovulated. Because you know, back then, did you ever, like, I could tell when I ovulated. So I knew it. And I'm like, tonight's the night, honey. Tonight is the night. I don't want to make an appointment and go in next month. Let's do it. So I had, thank God. Thank God he didn't have any pliers. But I think in the moment I was trying to prove my love to him and and I think I was overcompensating because I didn't really and I was thinking, oh, we can just take it out ourselves. Thank God no. Imagine that 911 call. But yeah, I had it all thought out and I was explaining it to him and I convinced him and then he couldn't find the pliers. Thank God. Me at 38, my own IUD removal. <laughs> but I will tell you this. I still, as a sober person at 50, believe that another sober person could do it because I've now had them removed twice. <laughs> they don't do anything. They don't do anything. They don't like put anything on. I remember telling him, I told my OBGYN when I went to get it out, I said, you know, I almost took that out six months ago. And he said, what? <laughs> I said, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't offering to take it out for you. I was just telling you my crazy story. She will take her medical grade sterilized pliers after she's widened your vagina. She's going to take what are essentially pliers and go in there and grab those strings and pull like this steady and pull it out. No, it doesn't hurt. In fact, right now it's like Jesus Christ Superstar T-shaped and then its arms hinge up like bink and then it's it comes right out. So I promise you it's, it actually hurts less to have it removed than to have it put in. Isn't she offering you progesterone when you take this thing out? Because the thing is you don't have to have an IUD to take progesterone. You can take progesterone on your own and have all of that. The reason it's probably not stopping your hot flashes is it's at the end of its useful life and you're not getting enough progesterone anymore. Oh, I'm excited for you to get this out. I'm excited to hear about it. Let me see what my sweary affirmations say about today. I know you're really going to do it. You can't just leave it in there forever. Oh, look what it says. It says, I am my own best friend. Other people are total dicks. <laughs> it's interesting to me about the IUDs used off-label for perimenopause is it's kind of a way to put you on hormone replacement without telling you they're putting you on hormone replacement, right? They're not indoctrinating you. They're not even acknowledging it or approving it. Because a lot of these mainstream doctors who you would go to and ask for hormone replacement would maybe not give it to you. Your insurance company is not going to cover it. But this is just kind of a subversive way that they are providing perimenopausal HRT to women because progesterone is the first thing you need replaced. And 
I will say, and I, everyone makes different choices and it's not for everyone, but the progesterone is the thing that I would want if I couldn't have anything else during all of this. It is the thing that stopped the hot flashes, made it so I could sleep like a normal person and stopped my boobs from aching and then also made my periods lighter. Ah, thank you so much. It's always so much fun. So listen, you'll come back and you'll tell us what happens at the doctor's office. You won't mention that your friend was going to remove her own. I interviewed mine about incontinence and they are pretty open about it. What I thought you were going to say, she was going to talk to you about hormones. And I would say, I think that your gynecologist is not the right person to talk to about hormone treatment. Probably. They're not endocrinologists. Since it tends to be the only doctor we have, that's who we go to. But we only go once a year. And I highly recommend if people are going to look into that, that they get a doctor I mean, certainly they can give you a progesterone prescription easily at the oral progesterones at the regular pharmacy, but you want someone who's going to test you and understands that's going to continue to change and that a blood test is just a snapshot of that particular day and it's fluctuating constantly and someone who specializes. So I'm not a doctor again, but the moods are more estrogen and testosterone. The progesterone is more the, the breast pain, sleep, bleeding, and hot flashes. Estrogen also with hot flashes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care of yourself and take care of your vagina. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend you think would enjoy it too. 